place. I'm coming. I'm coming, God damn it. What do you want with an old lady? Ma'am, we're looking for Philo Bedeau. I reckon say he lives at this here address. Well, your records are wrong. He lives at that address in the back. What do you want him for? Just looking for him, ma'am. Well, he don't live there anymore. He's gone off. Took that of bitch Clyde with him. Clyde? His ape. His ape. You heard me. What you making me repeat myself for? Uh, uh, do you know where he's gone? Oh, who gives a damn? Stealing all my Oreos, crapping all over the place. Twelve ribs my ass. <laughs> Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike. And we wrap up our month with yet another film from 1978. I think it just worked out that way. Uh, the dumpster fire that is every which way but loose. Now, I, I really thought that we were friends, Mike. And I go into your recommendations with, with you know, zero hesitation. Mm. This one I hesitated, and rightly so, uh, because I can't believe you did this to me. I introduced this into our podcast bedroom. You didn't think it would be something that turned you on, and it turns out that it was traumatic and horrific for you to have watched the number two highest-grossing film of 1978, <laughs> Every Which Way But Loose. I mean, halfway through it, it was so bad, I caught COVID to avoid watching it for another mm. couple of weeks. <laughs> I look at that as God punishing you for your feelings. <laughs> Against this American classic. American classic. I, I mean, it, it was very successful, uh, despite the fact that people telling Clint Eastwood not to take the role, he still did. And, I mean, good on him. I mean, I think adjusted for inflation, it's like one of the top 250 movies ever in terms yep. of profit. Yep. It, it boggles my mind. Here's the thing, man. Uh -huh. There is a clear intention to appeal to that, like, kind of, Western hickish rural audience. There, there's no mm. doubt. Uh, the the comedy is is so lowbrow. It 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 really tries to sh uh, put a spotlight on the blue collar lifestyle and making it seem that it's much better against uh, any form of like an educated one. Uh, and and that's kind of where we are, I think, in our current uh, climate, where there's a war on education, knowledge, mm. and facts. Uh, the past decade or so has just been all about alternative facts and, uh, you know, the opinions of, of these individuals who are constantly trying to uh, twist what is actually there. And I feel like this film is trying to create that division, whether it, it's a conscious decision on the writer and director or not. I don't know. You, did, what did you think about this? Why is this an American classic? That may be, may be overstepping it for my mind because I'm like, well... So there's the college student 
who is a smug asshole in the bar. Yeah. And is there in a very judgy capacity as far as she frames it, I guess, to Clint Eastwood, who basically is just trying to come on to her, trying to pick her up as I'm here to try, <laughs> much like Webb, to try to understand what you fucking morons like about country music. And I don't get it. Explain it to me. And then he uh, gets his buddy to hand him some fake teeth and puts it in her food and she freaks out. And, you know, it's very, very juvenile. Where I disagree with you uh, is that I feel like what the every man would like about this is very much using the Clint Eastwood persona that we're at that point used to seeing in like action movies. He's either Dirty Harry or he's in the Spaghetti Westerns. Uh, that sort of thing where they're hearkening back to a time to where you can solve your own problems. And so I don't think it's an attack on the elites because I feel like most of the like physical confrontations are with people of his same tax bracket and in the same sort of circumstances. They're bikers that show up to terrorize um, this older lady and she pulls out a gun and starts <laughs> I don't know what sort of cannon she has on her porch swing, but she starts blowing up their motorcycles whenever she, she hits something. I don't really see it as uh, trying to pull down the elite to their status. I f do think that there's probably a uh, middle finger up to the film snobs or the critics for this. Uh, but that's, you know, that, that bears out with stuff like Fast and the Furious, I guess, in modern times. Like, we're... I'm dumb, but uh, this is dumb fun. This is entertainment, that sort of thing. And if you don't like it, maybe you're taking it a bit too far. But that might not be the most apt comparison because I feel like critically, at least in like letterbox community, people came around to the Fast and Furious series and then turned against it. <laughs> like again, somewhere <laughs> in the middle, like Fast Five. I think everyone got on board. They're like, hey, this I I can't have fun with this. Uh, unfortunately for Clint and Clyde. There's only is there only two is there two or three of these? I know there's at least one sequel, but I don't, I don't know if they you know they definitely didn't get to like you know uh, every which way but uh, but Fast Nine you know they they did not get to that <laughs> so yeah I don't I don't know I don't I don't see your other than that one sequence with the college student I don't really see this world even really being involved with you know the upper class it's all being settled in parking lots and on the streets and with you know biker gangs. So, yeah, I feel like that's what – isn't that what the elites want <laughs> for the poor is just to leave them out of it? <laughs> that's a fair point. I was really – okay. Humor is subjective like anything else, and sometimes it feels – I feel bad for saying that. I, I, I think I may be wrong, but I feel like there are varying degrees of subjectivity. And, and humor is is extremely subjective. You and I will crack up over Norm Macdonald's, you know, the, the moth joke. And I, I've goat, shown that for me. the greatest, yeah. the greatest comic, and for my for my generation. And, and I've shown clips of Norm and uh, shown people trying to try to show the Norm TV show that was very short lived, and uh, the people they, they just don't get it. And like I can't. Fault him for it, even though I think my it's wife like the is one of them. Thing. I mean, I'm married to someone. I've shown her some of the bits of Norm on, you know, Conan, and she's just sort of stone faced. And it's like that <laughs> kind of how I expect you to treat me the rest of this this recording for this movie. It's like, <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> I'm glad you like it, but it's clearly not for me. I mean, you know what I did is as the movie was going, and I think I stopped like 20 minutes in. Uh, I was like, all the lowbrow humor that just 
didn't penetrate into my soul and make me smirk at all. Uh, stuff like uh, the monkey flipping the middle finger, the fake teeth and the chowder gag, the motorcyclist <laughs> going through the car wash, the monkey destroying the crate of fruit, the monkey kissing a lady, the monkey doing a dog trick, the monkey drinking a beer, telling a monkey not to pick his ass. This goes on and on and on. Telling like someone that? to drink. <laughs> I like of this. telling, like... hey, the monkey, look, we're going to be around, you know, the fair sex. <laughs> Uh, can you please behave yourself like a gentleman, uh, <laughs> Clyde, <laughs> the orangutan? And the text I got from you where you were the most enraged, because uh, you were texting me saying, I'm not going to be able to finish this. I can't watch <laughs> one more second of this. And I don't know how far you got. It's at least an hour in, I think-ish, mm-hmm. when they go to a zoo, because there's this long montage <laughs> of Clint yeah. being sad with his sad orangutan and he wakes up his buddy who's just met a woman on the road who's fallen in with them and their adventures. And he points out the unfairness. Um, we have to get Clyde laid. We have to break yeah. into a zoo. And he explains to his buddy, like it'll be easy because they're only meant to keep the occupants in. They're not meant to keep anyone, anyone out. I don't, I don't know what sort of logic there is. <laughs> there is to that, but I, I tell you what, okay, here's what I, I was introduced to this movie for a podcast on the old War Machine versus Warhorse by a buddy of mine. Uh, and I believe we were doing, as when we were doing new releases, we were doing Rampage. Uh, and we okay, were doing yeah. like, a man, like a man and a creature, like, you know, that, that alliance that has to form. And so this was the oddball pick. I don't, I don't know what the other one was. I don't know. It was King Kong or whatever. But we primarily talked about this one because I was coming to it all bright eyed and bushy tailed. Like, what is this? Like, <laughs> how did this get, get made? When did this come out? And my buddy was like, you know, my, my grandfather used to watch this on VHS all the time. And he just like, he just loved the lifestyle that the movie was selling him much help. I guess I like say like taste and confuse, which came out in the nineties. I watch on video all the time. I'm not a child of the seventies, but I love that. Like, I just want to hang out with these characters. Well, <laughs> this older man, uh, who had lived through the seventies enjoyed reveling in Clint Eastwood, you know, Mr. Macho man going into parking lots, fighting for cash, having a monkey being strangely pathetic though. And that's what I took from it. And that he's like, and my wife only watched part of this and she's like, wait, is Clint, is this a movie where Clint Eastwood is actually conned by a woman? Like she's taking money from him and like using and abusing him and leading him on and breaking his heart. I feel like that's a rare thing. Like I mentioned to you in another uh, conversation that uh, I love Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire so much because it's one time where Tom Cruise is like a loser for most of the runtime. Like for most of the film, he's getting the shit kicked out of him. I think this is as close we come to Clint Eastwood being a loser. Now, sure, he physically dominates other men's street fights, but his personal life, even his buddy, is having far more success than him. And there's jealousy there that, why is this chick not into me? I'm Clint Eastwood. I like I I beat up men in front of her. This doesn't turn her on. I have a monkey. Look at all this freedom I have, and it's not good enough. I think I think he uses that as a pickup line where he's like, "I fought four guys for a monkey. Why aren't you wet yet?" You know, that's essentially... <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of way how he's picking up these ladies, and it doesn't work. Uh, okay, so you 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 mentioned the brawling. Did you? I, not, <laughs> this is like the least dynamic. You know, a film I've I've seen with all the action sequences are so piss poor. Um, on a technical level, I feel like the film fails, and beyond that, it's scene after scene of ugly, ugly men. 
they're old, out of shape white dudes, aren't they? In parking lots, like so. <laughs> we'll get to it in the wrap up. Uh, five deadly venoms. This is not as far as varying techniques. <laughs> no, not at all. There's a lot of ducking and and uh, and punching, and that's about it. it. It feels like Mike Tyson's punch out. Like those are your moves. Um, <laughs> Was there any was there anything on a technical level that intrigued you about this film? I, I who who directed this? That would be James Fargo. I don't know who that is. I have to I have to admit that. I don't know if he continued in this cinematic universe. He had directed The Enforcer, I guess, prior to this. So that's one of the Dirty Harry movies, which I'm I've only seen Dirty Harry, and I wasn't a huge fan of, yeah, of that. But obviously, I, I came to it very late. You know, he's, he's buddies with Clint, it looks like. You, know, you go for his, his known for in IMDb, it's those two as director, and then it's production manager on Jaws and second unit director on the outlaw Josie Wales. So, there you, go. you know, him and Clint got well, I mean, he can't, he, they couldn't have gone along that well because he didn't invite him back with a sequel. <laughs> You'd think like, well, why not? <laughs> what do we have to do? <laughs> Clint lose? thought, man, we, there was a lot of dramatic heft left on the table with this one. We need to- <laughs> <laughs> Real. Yeah. Is Coppola available? For this, for this? He's, he's kind of down on his luck. I'm kind of shocked that he didn't take the reins himself. I, I, I'm not sure if he was really a, a director at that point. I think he was. I think in like the early 70s, he did uh, play Misty for me. I think he'd already gotten his feet you know, wet, which is, uh, uh, you know, stylistically um, a lot more accomplished, I'd say, than what you see in Every Which Way But Loose. I don't know, though. Okay, look, we, we kind of throw him out there as a... Uh, uh, you know, a fan favorite of Tit. We want to do his entire filmography. Uh, Kevin Smith also is not the most dynamic <laughs> <laughs> behind the camera. D- this, do you not see this as like a uh, much older sort of uh, paternal uh, figure to the the wanderings of Jane Silent Bob, who also randomly have a monkey in their their, their first adventure <laughs> when they're above the title. It's just random. Idiots and morons that come into contact with our hero, who himself was also kind of an idiot. But since he's a star, we're rooting for him. Well, yeah, like I didn't like the monkey and Chainsaw Bob either. Like that was the least, mm. uh, you know, mm. interesting stuff. I don't know what it is. Like, you know, I don't even like King Kong. You remember we talked about King Kong at one point um, on. You talked about him fingering things a lot. You were really hung up on the sexual advances. Of Kong. <laughs> I think I even subtitled that episode like "Smelly Fingers" or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't think helped the numbers on that, or maybe it did. I don't know. Maybe it was a totally different demo. But yeah, you're right. I don't know. Is there a classic ape simian monkey movie? I mean, 2001. Is that the closest for you? Just the opening shot. There you of go, man. Okay. And I don't think there were any real monkeys in that movie. Uh, right. And then I mean, same with uh, Planet of the Apes. I think the first Planet of the Apes is excellent. The third Planet of the Apes is actually pretty excellent too. Um. Yeah, I this film just didn't uh, everything all the charm, I guess you would say, nothing. I was like Teflon for me. Even like the the fact that the film has a theme, like a song that was uh, it. written specifically for it. Yeah, it's Love like it. even that didn't get I think the last time, god, when the last time that happened, maybe Call Me for American Gigolo? Like I can't remember the last movie that had a song that kind of served as the overall like uh, score 
for a film that that had like thematic resonance and and this film i don't want to give it that much credit but there is a song a theme song for this film and, and like nothing worked and i feel so i feel bad i feel like you a bad, feel bad person you're totally <laughs> out of touch with america in 1978 you weren't born yet but how does that make you feel that you <laughs> you did not have your finger on the pulse <laughs> not, clearly culture. not um have you seen uh the sequel Every which no. way, but I, I don't know what it's called. Oh, every which no. way you can. Any which way you can. Excuse me. Well, I don't. I definitely don't like that title because you and I, as fairly rabid uh, consumers of digital media on iTunes, that means that the sequel is going to be way at the top of my list, and I don't like that. I don't. I hate that. I hate when they're out of order. Uh, Apple, you need, you need to fix that. Oh the yeah. Metadata. Uh, no, I mean, for as much as I enjoy this and found it a pleasant surprise, you know, five or six years ago when I watched it for, for the first time, probably being middle-aged, uh, I would say, well, I was about to say you're too old for this, but I think this was meant to appeal to middle-aged and up old men. Like, I don't, like, I don't know. I don't know if teenagers were all about this in 1978, but apparently a lot of people no, were. No, there's no way. Hit. But see, why, why, why are you not interested in the sequel though? Like you, you enjoyed the... Uh, uh, you know, the adventures that these two go on, him, his brother, Orville, his one-night stand that becomes more, you know, meaningful, I guess, than uh, the the woman who's conning him. But why do you think is like it lightning in a bottle type thing? Like, this could never be replicated. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a hang movie. And so even though I'd seen it before and I'm watching it, you know, for this podcast, I... I Vaguely remembered something with the car wash. I remembered, uh, I did remember that the woman rejects Clint Eastwood. That just stuck out to me as, as the ultimate shocker. But, you know, do I, it's a mood movie. And so it's like, do I actually need to see like a, uh, a re, like a repeat as far as how can we take this to the next level? <laughs> Clint is monkey <laughs> in the plot. So I'm looking at the, just a Wikipedia entry. Clint Eastwood, you know, it says his character here, reluctantly comes out of retirement from underground bare-knuckle boxing to take on a champion hired by the mafia who will stop at nothing to ensure the fight takes place. Okay, so nobody knows this dude, right? In this film, that's why he, he just goes from town to town, and it appears to be his M.O. is to basically instigate uh, or be in close proximity to a very uh, irritable um, larger man. Who will swing first at him? Uh, so you know he's not quite doing some sort of like hustling tactic, like Wesley Snipes or Woody Harrelson from like White Men Can't Jump. But it seems like that's his thing that he he will just challenge someone larger than him. <laughs> what in the fuck would organized crime care about ensuring that they're going to take down <laughs> Clint Eastwood's character in the sequel? You know, it's just it's just going a little bit too far. Also, the neo Nazi neo Nazi biker gang that. Uh, Philo humiliated in the previous film, come back for revenge. Uh, I mean, that's fine, but I'll, you know, did any of one of the villains here make an impression on you? They're all just fat white dudes on a bike. I couldn't tell one from the, from the other. Um, that's probably why, I mean, I mentioned the fast and furious series. They had the good sense to eventually go to space. Like, it's like, okay, like if we're going to, if we're going to take it too far, then we're going to go all the way. And so maybe that would have happened. I don't, let me see. What was the, uh, the box office success? Um, moderate, I think, but still see. success. It was the fifth highest grossing film of 1980. So Jesus, 
Um, I'm kind of shocked then that they uh, they stopped. <laughs> Roger Ebert did say about the sequel that uh, Any Which Way You Can is not a very good movie, but it's hard not to feel a grudging affection for it. Did you struggle, Webb, to <laughs> the grudging affection for the original? <laughs> not at all. But I got to ask you about this uh, neo-Nazi biker gang. I was shocked when I looked at uh, letterbox reviews and, and there are some glowing reviews on there and they specifically mentioned, well, it's a, you know, Clint Eastwood and a monkey beating up Nazis. I was like, was, was the biker gang supposed to be Nazis? Did that just go way over my head? Yeah, I also didn't really take much uh, consideration of it. I thought it was just because they insulted him at a red light and that's yeah. what starts the feud. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if, I mean, yeah, you can say, um, uh, if one of them had like a Nazi symbol on a bike or something I missed, I guess that's that's put in there just so you're okay with vigilante violence. <laughs> like you're okay with Clint <laughs> would maybe having a bit of road rage and then taking it uh, to the next level. But no, I didn't. I didn't see it as some sort of political statement. Like Clint Wood was out looking for racists. And uh, no, me neither. Okay, I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one. Better than apparently the characters in uh, Green Room who go play for a Nazi bar and attempt to profit off of it. That's that's one thing with that film. I love that premise, but you also feel a little bit like, did did you all deserve to be terrorized by these Nazis? Because you wanted to take their money and flip them <laughs> off, but you still want to take their money. Right. <laughs> so you think this is the worst thing we've watched for this podcast? You know, halfway through, I really I was like, maybe I should watch Pacific Heights again. I got to give that movie another chance. I feel like we missed out on you know, that's one of our more popular episodes from this year. What? Pacific Heights. Okay, so here's my explanation for this. <laughs> I think that, like, something like The Deer Hunter uh, has more recognition, but you can probably find, you know, X number of podcasts on it. How many podcasts are there on Pacific Heights? So if you've just seen it and you're like, oh, I wonder if there's a movie podcast that covered it. I think some oh. of those things work where it's like, oh, well, okay, there's here's some guys that took the time to then bitch about the fact that they're covering this <laughs> the controversy they chose to watch themselves. <laughs> I got duped into watching this. I want to hear other guys who were duped into it as well. I like it. I like it. And I'm I'm very interested to see how many people tune in for Every Which Way But Loose. It clearly didn't work on me. I think that I am uh, just, a, just a terrible person. Um, and I can't believe we have to s talk about it some more for next week's episode. But this is the life see, I, I chose. I feel that way about the deer hunter. I <laughs> <laughs> Broken. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
You said this monkey would be sweeping the floors and cleaning the gutters. And now he just lies there, struggling to breathe. What do you want? His cholesterol's through the roof. I want you to take that monkey back so he can be rehabilitated and get a second chance. No, no, he's fine. Go on, Mojo. Show Marge your happy dance. And so on. Mojo, what have they done to you? 